2020 was a pivotal year for Penn State football. The Nittany Lions were coming off of a 2019 season where they were picked to finish fourth in the division. Instead, they overachieved, going 11-2, losing to top 10 Minnesota and top four college football playoff participant and Big Ten champion Ohio State, beating Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. In that same year, Ryan Day and Ohio State proved everyone wrong by going 13-1 and and crushing Michigan, who went 9-4 and and had a huge fall from grace after being picked to win the conference at preseason media days and being a large favorite to do so. Instead, the Wolverines, of course, went 9-4, and including a close road loss to Penn State in Happy Valley. The 2020 season, with running back Journey Brown returning and edge player Micah Parsons returning, both rising stars in the world of college football, the Nittany Lions were expected to potentially take the conference by force in 2020 as they hosted the Ohio State Buckeyes that year, had loads of talent on the roster, plenty of returning starters, including quarterback Sean Clifford returning, along with Jahan Dotson, who was also a rising star, and Brent Pry was still the defensive coordinator. New offensive coordinator Kirk Scirocco was coming in from Minnesota, where he helped Tanner Morgan have a fantastic season. Everything was going right. And Penn State was viewed as a team that was replacing Michigan and climbing up the ladder to potentially be competitive with Ohio State in that top two level that we currently see in the conference with Michigan and Ohio State in 2023-2022, where it's those two teams as the huge favorites, the big two, and the little 12. Used to be little 10. Now here we are. And 2020, COVID happened. Micah Parsons opted out. Journey Brown Bless his soul, bless the man that he is. He had a very unfortunate heart condition that was discovered. And those things, along with no fans in the stands, and we all know that Penn State football is on a totally different planet when they're home versus away, and just the whole dysfunction of that season, the Big Ten canceling their season and then reinstating it, resulted in a 4-5 and five season for Penn State, an 0-5 start, which included a surprising loss to what turned out to be a good Indiana team, a blowout by Ohio State, a national emasculation by Scott Frost in Lincoln, and losses to Maryland and Iowa as well. It was not good. Penn State still ended up beating Michigan that year, but Michigan was also gutter trash. They were 2-4. and four. After that 2020 season, Penn State was picked to bounce back in 2021. They didn't do so finishing 7-6. and six. Meanwhile, Michigan won the conference and went 12-2 and two and shocked everyone, including myself. 2023, Penn State still found itself in that third place or lower category, this time at the top of that category, but still behind the two reputable reigning giants in the Wolverines and the Buckeyes. And the reason I'm laying that out is because Penn State could be the number three team in the country. It could be the number four team. They could be a top four team. And the problem for them is the fact that they have to play both the Wolverines and the Buckeyes, and they have not had success 
against those teams under Franklin. James Franklin is 3-6 and six versus Michigan in his time at Penn State, and he's 1-8 and eight versus Ohio State. That one win, only being by four points, only being off of a blocked field goal. And the wins against Michigan, only one of them was dominant. The other two were close. The fact remains, and also if you look at James Franklin's record against Michigan State, it's close to 500. When it comes to programs that have talent, that have good coaching, that have a good reputation, James Franklin's Penn State has not been up to the challenge more often than not. Countless blown leads against Ohio State. Penn State could have gotten itself back on track, arguably in 2021, despite losing to Iowa, Illinois, and Ohio State. If they beat Michigan, the momentum might have carried them into a win over Michigan State as well. They blew that lead too, and many other games too. Rose Bowl, game against USC in 2016, games versus Ohio State and Michigan State in 2017, where the Nittany Lions led by a touchdown or even double digits at some point in those games, and they ended up losing both of them by a combined four points. But to go back to talking about Penn State and how they compare with Michigan and Ohio State, Jim Harbaugh was in the same situation. He was in an eerily similar situation to James Franklin. Not exactly the same thing. Jim Harbaugh was for sure on the hot seat after 2020. I can't say the same thing for James Franklin at any point in his career at Penn State. Has he been on the same level of hot seat that Jim Harbaugh was on? But the referendum... While not exactly apples to apples, it was not apples to oranges either. It was more like red apple to green apple. It's similar, very close, but it's not exactly the same. James Franklin has never been on as hot of a hot seat as I've already talked about, but there is a referendum on him. Losing to Ohio State and Michigan for two years in a row, losing to Ohio State every year since 2016, just does not look good. And especially even though Penn State went 11-2 and last year and won the Rose Bowl, and I think that season was proof positive that James Franklin is a top 25 head coach, a top 20 head coach, maybe a top 15 head coach. The blowout loss to Michigan, allowing 400 rushing yards, and gotta call it what it turned out to be, a blowout loss to Ohio State, which was close for three and a half quarters, but the Buckeyes more than pulled away, and dominated in the quarter that matters the most. The fourth. He has never beaten Ryan Day at all, which is actually not really evidence that James Franklin's bad. It's evidence to support how good of a coach Ryan Day is. He's never beaten Ryan Day. He's 3-5 and five versus Jim Harbaugh. He's lost to, he lost to Mel Tucker in 2021. He suffered losses to Tom Allen, Mike Loxley, etc. And just looking at this and looking at this upcoming season, I just, I get a sense and a feeling that now or 2024 is the time. You got to do it. You have to do it with Drew Aller as your quarterback, with Nicholas Singleton as your running back, like how I was talking about for the 2020 season. That, that never was. We can all say that if COVID didn't happen in 2020, 
the world would be different. You can say this on a personal level. You can say this on a political level, an economic level, an environmental level. The same is with football. If 2020 is normal, part of me, even as a Michigan fan, would say that Jim Harbaugh might not have a job entering 2023. He may not have revolutionized his program or completely terraformed it into something else. He may not have hired key pieces on his staff. If 2020, 2020 happens, there's just, and like by happens, I mean it's normal, there's a lot of different things. I mean, Micah Parsons probably doesn't opt out. Journey Brown would still be out, but Micah Parsons was a huge, huge part of Penn State's defense. And Penn State would have had home field advantage, which certainly would have helped them in games against Maryland, Iowa, Penn State games, which were home. They probably wouldn't have been demoralized enough with home field advantage in a normal season, with practices not being canceled. They probably don't lose to Nebraska on the road. There's so many different possibilities. But the referendum and the opportunity, the opportunity that was presented in 2020 for Penn State through a specific window with the players they had to overtake Ohio State, or at least compete with them, to be on a similar level for at least that year. That window is open again for 2023. If you've watched this channel for a while, you know that I am a big proponent of the Big Two Little 12. It'll soon be the Big Two Little 14. I don't think USC or UCLA will be on the level of Ohio State or Michigan, at least not initially. I think Penn State has a better chance of being on that level. They're just more built to be a Big Ten team. Lincoln Riley, got to figure out the defense. If if USC is going to not get, not get a sword shoved down their esophagus by teams that can run the football, Penn State and Michigan, maybe Ohio State if their running back room can stay healthy, and Ohio State, we already know they have a good offense, it's not going to work out well for USC. And Michigan and Ohio State for the past two seasons have been far and away the top two teams in the conference. And Ohio State, on a consistent basis, has on average been the best team in the conference since, what, 2003, 2002? Probably 2002, because that's when Jim Tressel won Ohio State its first national title of the 21st century. Urban Meyer won it again in 2014. The Buckeyes are the only teams to have national championship game appearances and wins in the entire Big Ten Conference. Penn State's roster has the potential to reach a national title game this season, and I think possibly win one. They have that good of a roster. You have high-ceiling, raw-talented players, like what Penn State had with Micah Parsons in 2019 and entering the 2020 season before COVID hit and all the opt-outs occurred. You have Nicholas Singleton, Danny Dennis Sutton, you have Drew Aller, you have Abdul Carter, who, although he wasn't a five-star, he's proven himself to be an all-American caliber linebacker. You have Kalen King at cornerback, who I think is a unicorn, one of the best cornerbacks in the nation. Experience on the offensive line, a coaching staff that has continuity. You have Manny Diaz and Anthony Poindexter on the same side of the ball coaching, and Mike Yursich is a reputable reputation it doesn't really make sense but whatever it's a great reputation with quarterbacks as an offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State quarterbacks coach at Ohio State 
and offensive coordinator at Texas in Tom Herman's final season, Penn State has the tools to go above and beyond. And their schedule as well, which we'll get into shortly. Their schedule, while not the easiest, you do have a Power 5 non-conference game, it is very doable. It's not the hardest schedule in the world. It's not even as hard as, I would almost argue, Ohio State. You don't play a good non-conference opponent in Notre Dame like Ohio State does. You open up against West Virginia and Neil Brown. Neil Brown has somewhat turned West Virginia into a collection of homeless people, and it's at Beaver Stadium. So I think that's going to be somewhat of an exhibition game anyway. The expectations for Penn State, at minimum, should be a continuation of what was last year. Because I think with Drew Aller's age, same with Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, and really the fact that this team has a lot of young potential, because James Franklin's recruiting classes last year and the previous year were some of his best in his tenure at Penn State. Recently, Penn State recruiting has really picked up which provides a window that's a little wider. I don't think the window will close after this season. I think if the window does close, because if Penn State continues to recruit at a level like they did when they got Aller, Singleton, and Dennis Sutton, then the window can just keep on going, and Penn State's potential and their ceiling can endlessly be constant, and that'd be a different story. I think the window after 2024 for now would probably be the area where it closes. But while losing to Ohio State and Michigan in that, in my take, would be permissible, it would be much better to beat one of the two Giants, whether it's Michigan at home, or probably the bigger win, honestly, would be Ohio State on the road, because Penn State has beaten Jim Harbaugh three times. They know they can do it. But when you only beat a team once, and it was in 2016, kind of looks like a fluke. So a win at Ohio State in the horseshoe, that would be huge. I think that beating one of those teams, even if it meant that maybe instead of losing to Ohio State and Michigan, let's just say Penn State beats Ohio State on the road, but maybe they lose to Michigan and Michigan State at the end of the year, which would be a real heartbreaker because they beat the Buckeyes, they're undefeated, and then the two Michigan schools give them a slap of reality. Let's say that's a scenario. That still is better than losing to Ohio State and Michigan because you know that you can beat the Buckeyes. Gives your team confidence, gives some mystery surrounding the team, and it shows that James Franklin can beat an elite team with a great head coach in Ryan Day. Drew Aller, I think, also has to show flashes of his elite potential. He can't come out and be a dud. He can't be like Christian Hackenberg where he comes out and he he never, never touches the potential that was touted with him when he came out of high school. He has to improve throughout the year, show flashes of his greatness, and overall play at minimum and above average level. We all know his ceiling is elite, and he could play at that level as early as this season. However likely or unlikely it is, we'll have to see when Penn State plays on Saturdays. Or, in the case of the Michigan State game, on Friday. Penn State, at minimum, needs to achieve an 11-win season. I don't think their floor is much lower. Their floor is probably 9-4. and four. Maybe it's just 10-3. and three. But 
but they need to win 11 games. Going 10-3 and three, with the amount that they return and the talent they have after going 11-2 and two last year would be a disappointment. That would sour the season, and it would be a big prove-it year for Penn State in 2024. You don't really want a huge prove-it year no matter what. You just want to be consistent. You want to build momentum. You you want the snowball effect. You don't want to have to jumpstart the momentum again. You want to just eventually roll on its own and build up and build up, get bigger and stronger. And a 10-3 and season or any kind of step back would, I think, do that to a certain degree. So an 11-2 and season, maybe losses to Ohio State or Michigan and Michigan, but winning all the other games like last year, would be frustrating, but it would be permissible. 10-3, and 9-4, and four, while not, that wouldn't create any hot seat talk, would be unacceptable given the talent, ro- talent of the roster. What would be really good for Penn State is what I seem to read as almost a dream scenario of many Penn State fans on the channel, which would be going 11-1, three-way tie with Ohio State, Michigan, which I think that three-way tie... Given Penn State's non-conference schedule and all those different things, and also given the fact that historically, because the game is played at the end of the year, Ohio State and Michigan are going to get more bias in terms of rankings, TV ratings. They're going to be paid more attention to when they're at 11-1 and compared to Penn State at 11-1. and So if you're Penn State and you want to reach the playoff or you want to win the Big Ten, 12-0, and and not a three-way tie would be your best bet. But I think 11-1 and would be massive progress because James Franklin has never went 11-1 and in the, in the regular season at Penn State. Even if they miss the playoff, maybe Ohio State or Michigan go undefeated. The undefeated team beats Penn State, and they're sitting at second place like Ohio State did in 2022. 11-1, and don't reach the Big Ten, but maybe they sneak into the playoffs at number four where they get a nice New Year's Six Bowl game, an 11-1 regular season record, beating either the Buckeyes or the Wolverines, and winning every other game but one, that would be good progress. So I think those should be the expectations. Either keeping it steady, staying relatively the same when it comes to the quality of the team, or improving. Despite the fact that Penn State is outside of the top 50 in returning production, which surprised me, In the end, it shouldn't have because returning production is heavily QB biased and Sean Clifford left, but still, they're not very high in returning production and their transfer portal use is one of the least impressive uses of the transfer portal, minus picking up Dante Cephas, who should be the best wide receiver on the team by a mile. But this team, I think that staying the same or improving would be that would be acceptable obviously improvement would be much welcomed if james franklin improved and had an 11 win regular season in the 12 game schedule or if he reached the college football playoff or won the conference obviously that totally changes the narrative totally so you likely know my view watching this channel and i've said it time and time again i think that 2024 is when the window closes And I think with the amount that Michigan and Ohio State return, it's going to be easier and more likely for Franklin to win the Big Ten and compete for the playoff in 2024 than it will be this 
season. Of course, we don't know the 2024 schedule. USC and UCLA will be added. And if Penn State is a very tough 2024 schedule, then maybe I'll have to walk back that take. But I anticipate that a lot of talented players will return in 2024. But what about the predictions for this year? Number one, I think that the run game will improve. Juice Scruggs went off and got drafted by the NFL, but four out of the five, 80% of the offensive line starters return. Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen are going to have another year of preseason work, workouts, and camps. And I think those things combined, along with Drew Aller, who is a watching him run the read option in the spring game, honestly was one of the more of the highlights of the spring game. The kid, the kid can run the ball. There's an obvious reason why, at least when it comes to his legs, he gets Josh Allen comparisons. He'll be a great dual threat quarterback. I think all these things combined is going to help open up the run game for Penn State even more. I think they're going to have around, if I had to pick an over or under, I would pick slightly under, but around 2,500 yards rushing. They don't, I don't think their running back duo is as good as Blake Corum or Donovan Edwards, and they don't have nearly the O-line that Michigan does, and they're probably not going to be as run-heavy play-calling-wise as Michigan will be, despite the fact that I think Michigan has more talent in the passing game just by returning starters. But Penn State, they're going to want to pass with Mike Yurchich, be more balanced. Nonetheless, I think Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen will combine for close to 2,500 rushing yards, and they'll be a top three running back duo nationally. Obviously, I think that the best running back duo in the nation mostly comes down to Michigan, Ohio State if they're healthy, Penn State. You could include Oregon, Alabama in that conversation. There are a few other teams that could could be up there. A lot of good running back play. A lot of elite college football players. I think 2023 is set to be another entertaining year in the sport. I also think that Penn State will have a defense that resides close to the top five. Their strength will be at defensive back and linebacker. Linebacker, the best player, will be Abdul Carter. In the secondary, it will be Kalen King at corner. The problem I have with the defense is really the defensive line. P.J. Mustafer leaves, and I know that there's Danny Dennis-Sutton, Chop Robinson, other players along that defensive line. And in the interior of the D-line, you have Hakeem Biaman and Devon Ellis. And you have also Adisa Isaac as a defensive end, too. A very deep defensive end room, defensive tackle, a lot of experience, both projected starting defensive tackles or redshirt seniors. The problem I have is that Michigan game. That game, watching Michigan's O-line open up the interior of the D-line, if Penn State is going to beat Ohio State or Michigan, you cannot have that happen. Because Michigan, we already know who Michigan is with running the football. You have to have an elite D-line, or Michigan has to have an off day or a combination of the both to beat Michigan without an elite D-line. And when it comes to Michigan having an off day, see see the Fiesta Bowl. That loss is worse than Georgia blowing Michigan out in the Orange Bowl. Absolutely, it's a debacle. For Ohio State, however... As Ohio State lost Paris Johnson and another NFL tackle, quality-wise, and they returned both of their guards, 
Carson Hinsman or Jacob James is going to be the starting center, most likely, maybe Victor Cutler. The Buckeyes schematically and from a standpoint of depth and player personnel are going to be more suited to be a power run team than they have probably ever in the Ryan Day era, outside of maybe 2019 when they had J.K. Dobbins, Master Teague, etc. Ohio State's run game, especially on the interior and from a power run game perspective, is going to be a lot better. So elite D-line play, especially solid interior defensive line play, is a must for Penn State in that defense. So that's a question. Even though I think this defense will be close to the top five, with how the Big Ten works and how I think Ohio State and Michigan will both be elite at running the football this year, Ohio State, if they're healthy, granted I'm giving benefit of the doubt there because the amount of injuries they had in that running back room was an anomaly last year. That rarely, if ever, happens that you have your two starting running backs go down for most of the year. It was an anomaly. But that defensive line, we're going to figure out, I think, relatively quickly, or if not quickly, at least when they face Ohio State, but it'll be a solid defense. And I think when it comes to pass defense, Penn State is regularly a great team when it comes to defending the pass. So great defense, great offense when it comes to rushing. And I do think Drew Aller, we don't know so much yet. And the passing game, you have Dante Cephas, but Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley departed for the NFL. So there's going to be some questions there too. Overall, though, the Nittany Lions' win total projected is 9.5, and and I think they're going to cover. There are a few games on Penn State's schedule that you could look at, maybe a road game at Illinois before the whiteout versus Iowa, the Iowa game too, because Iowa, I think, will get back to what they have been traditionally. They'll be more fundamental in the trenches. I think they'll have a better run game than they did in 2022 or 2021, and they'll have a solid quarterback and a solid receiver room. But even those two teams, they're wildly out-talented by Penn State. Illinois loses a whole lot. And maybe if it was a road game against Iowa, home game against Illinois, I'd pick the Nittany Lions to potentially lose in an upset on the road at Iowa. But Penn State's also going to be out for revenge against Iowa after Iowa beat them in 2020 and 2021. And the whole controversy of Iowa fans mocking Penn State player injuries. So that whiteout's going to be a revenge game. I don't see a road game at Maryland being a problem. A road game at Michigan State, I'm going to say, could be a problem. It's going to be Friday. I think Michigan State's going to be better than a lot of people will give them credit for. Losing Keon Coleman was a big deal. Losing Peyton Thorne, not much of a big deal. And the Spartans have an underrated roster. But they should beat them, and they should beat everyone except for Michigan and Ohio State. And if they lose to Iowa, Illinois, or Michigan State, they might pick up a win against Michigan or Ohio State because the talent and coaching that this team has. So the Nittany Lions, I think, are going to be a top 10 team, and they're going to be a conference and national contender in 2023. Thank you guys for watching. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Comment your thoughts on Penn State season down below. Like the video. And if you're listening to Spotify, follow the channel. Thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.